and welcome back to another episode of the Royal College of Pathologists podcast, Pathologists in Profile. This podcast series is kindly sponsored by SIRDAN, leading experts in next-generation pathology laboratory solutions. My name is Natasha Cutmore and I'm a histopathology trainee. I'm joined again by this month's podcast guest, Emeritus Professor Mina Upadaya, OBE, whose work falls within the pathology specialty of molecular genetics. In this episode, we will be talking to Mina about the case study that she has picked out for us. Welcome back, Mina. Thank you, Natasha. Mina, please could you remind our audience what your job encompasses? I'm Mina Upadhyaya, Emeritus Professor at Cardiff University in the Division of Cancer and Genetics. Before my retirement from the NHS, I led the NHS Molecular Genetics R&D. I was responsible for managing my lab, supported by external grant funding, usually administered through Cardiff University. It was a unique post in Wales, funded by the NHS. I also held an honorary professorship in medical genetics from Cardiff University. My role in this position of head of NHS R&D lab was multi-pronged and required an array of responsibilities. The main focus was to develop new molecular diagnostic tests, transfer them to the diagnostic lab and get external funds via grants for my PhD students, research technicians and postdoctorate fellows. In addition, I was involved in the provision of consultation and often highly complex advice to clinical and laboratory colleagues and other staff about the investigation, diagnosis, and understanding of genetic diseases. I also assisted in teaching and training scientific, medical, technical staff and medical students. I was required to maintain close working links between genetics, laboratory, academic genetics, and finally, I communicated with the scientific, medical, and lay community the results of of the work which were carried out in my lab. For example, in the form of peer-reviewed scientific papers, review articles, book chapters, and oral and poster presentations at scientific meetings. In this role, I have received invitations as a speaker for many international conferences. Wow, that's um, a lot of a lot of things there. And please, could you give us a brief overview of the case that you've selected and tell us why you've chosen this case in particular? I'm going to discuss the case of a 25-year-old NF1 patient who was referred to us in 2009 from Toronto. This is the first study to characterize the molecular alterations present in different regions of a single large histological heterogeneous malignant peripheral nerve sheet tumors, in short MPNST, and correlate that with histological findings and tumor progression. Clinical and molecular investigations on this patient for the first time illustrated a relationship between the histologic and molecular changes with the initiation and progress of malignant peripheral nerve sheet tumors. 
This case was published in one of the journals in 2010. And how did you come across this case? The patient was referred to us uh, by Professor Eb Guha uh, from Hospital for Sick Children, Department of Surgery, University of Toronto in 2009. We had an ongoing collaboration with the Hospital of Sick Children in Toronto on the molecular characterizations of MPNSTs. Okay, and apart from the professor that you've mentioned, who else worked with you on this case? So four centres were involved in the analysis of this patient. Professor F. Goha from the Hospital of Sick Children clinically assessed this patient and conducted the surgery. Dr. Tim Rasmus Keel from Department of Pathology, University Health Network, Toronto, was responsible for immunohistochemical analysis. DNA and RNA molecular work was done in my lab. Array comparative genomic hybridization, CGH, was undertaken by Dr. Samantha Knight from Wellcome Trust Centre, Oxford. So a proper multi-centre international team working on this case. And for our audience who might not be familiar with neurofibromatosis, please could you tell us what this disease is and how common it is? Neurofibromatosis type 1 or NF1 is a multi-system disease and tumor predisposition syndrome inherited in autosomal dominant pattern affecting about 1 in 3,000 individuals worldwide resulting from mutations of NF1 gene. It is a tumor suppressor gene that can be found at the long arm of chromosome 17 at band 17Q112. About 50% of NF1 cases represent new mutations, that is, with no prior family history of NF1. That's really interesting. Just for our audience, in case they don't know what autosomal dominant means, Uh, Normally, we inherit one copy of a gene from our mum and one copy of a gene from our dad. And it means that only one of those genes needs to have the mutation for us to get the disease. What is the prognosis or outcome usually like for MPNST in NF1 patients? MPNST in NF1 patients carries a poor prognosis with a five-year survival rate of only 21 to 41%. The overall survival rate is when it includes all people with a specific cancer type. Survival rate can describe any given length of time. And how does NF1 usually present in patients? The disease is characterized by pigmentary skin changes and the growth of a variety of benign malignant tumors that develop in association with both the peripheral and central nervous system. Virtually all NF1 patients develop multiple benign cutaneous neurofibromas during adolescence. These are discrete tumors involving the dermis or epidermis of the skin. They do not become malignant, while 30 to 50% of NF1 patients can develop plexiform neurofibromas that grow along a major nerve and usually arise in early uh, childhood. They account for substantial morbidity, including disfigurement, um, functional impairment, and may even 
be life-threatening and can arise from a nerve in any part of your body. Some tumors can be surgically removed, others partially uh, due to their connection to spinal and nerve tissue. NF1 patients have 8 to 13 percent lifetime risk of developing an MPNST, which is a highly aggressive malignant neoplasm associated with significant morbidity and mortality for affected patients. In addition, high-grade glioma and breast cancer are important causes of cancer-related mortality in NF1 patients. NF1 gene product neurofibromin down-regulates RAS. Absence or reduction of neurofibromin results in activation of RAS-MAPK pathway, resulting in tumor formation. MPNSTs usually develop from either a pre-existing plexiform neurofibroma or a focal subcutaneous neurofibroma. Mm, thank you, Mina. That's um, a really good description and it's included quite a bit of medical language. For some of the non-specialists in our audience, uh, let's go through some of these terms and define them. Uh, so I'll explain the difference between benign and malignant tumors. So a tumor is a growth and sometimes they have no potential to become cancer. It's just a tissue mass and we call those ones benign. Whereas some tumors, these masses have the potential to become cancer and that's when we call them malignant. Mina, you mentioned that 30 to 50% of NF1 patients also develop plexiform neurofibromas. What is a plexiform neurofibroma? Uh, plexiform neurofibromas are diffused, usually massive tumors with less defined borders. They grow along the nerves. They may sometimes cause pain, weakness, numbness, and bleeding. And you said that MPNSTs usually grow out from either a pre-existing plexiform neurofibroma or a focal subcutaneous neurofibroma. What is a focal subcutaneous neurofibroma? Focal subcutaneous neurofibroma lie deeper in the skin do not move with the skin and are firm, sometimes tender to palpation. And what else do we know about NF1 patients? NF1 patients with internal plexiform neurofibromas have 20-fold increased risk of developing an MPS NST compared to NF1 individuals without such tumors. Progression of plexiform neurofibroma to malignant peripheral nerve sheet tumors appear to start with the development of pre-malignant lesions, namely atypical neurofibromatous neoplasm of uncertain biological potential, in short, a nube, that commonly are associated with loss of a gene called CDKN2A stroke B. MPNSTs contain many additional genomic rearrangements in addition to NF1 mutation. Uh, that's absolutely fascinating, Mina. And it sounds as though it's not just 
having a mutation in the gene that's important, but also what tumors you have as a result of that that are important. What other clinical information did you have for this case? This patient showed bilateral axillary freckling, cafeolar spots, multiple cutaneous neurofibromas, and significant learning disability. The patient presented with onset of balance difficulty and associated mild episodic headaches. A brain MRI revealed a new exophytic mass, which was about two centimeters, extending from the right posterolateral aspect of the lower medulla with the resultant distortion of fourth ventricle and mild hydrocephalus. Histological examination revealed pilocytic astrocytoma. And for anybody who's listening who might not know what hydrocephalus is, this is the buildup of fluid in the cavities or ventricles within the deep brain. What tests or investigations were carried out and what did they show? So we carried out a whole range of tests, DNA and RNA extraction from formalin-fixed paraffin-embedded tissue, immunohistochemical and molecular analysis, NF1 mutation analysis in both blood and tissue from different regions of the tumour using DNA sequencing, an assessment of loss of heterozygosity or genomic imbalance across the NF1 gene, MLPA, which is a a multiple ligation-dependent probe amplification technique, which is used to identify small deletions or duplications involving the adjacent exons. Histological findings. Region 1 of the tumor exhibited elevated cellularity corresponding to benign plexiform neurofibroma. Region 2 revealed hypercellularity and hyperchromatic nuclei features of low-grade malignancy or atypical neurofibroma. Region 3 corresponds to high-grade MPNSD displaying both necrosis and area of rhabdomyoblastic de-differentiation. For anyone who's listening, de-differentiation means that the cells no longer look like a particular type and it's very difficult to classify them as uh, a particular tissue. For molecular analysis, direct sequencing of the coding region of lymphocyte DNA did not detect any disease-causing variant. We then looked for mutations in RNA. A splice site germline mutation was identified in RNA, and it was then confirmed in genomic DNA and in all three regions of MPNSD. We looked for somatic mutation in DNA from all three regions of MPNST, DNA from previously obtained cutaneous neurofibroma from this patient was available. Uh, we also looked for somatic mutation in tissue DNA from astrocytoma and lymphocyte DNA using fish and loss of heterozygosity. Loss of heterozygosity is a common form of allelic imbalance by which a heterozygous somatic cell becomes homozygous because one of the two alleles get lost. 
This form of chromosome instability is sufficient to provide selective growth advantage and has been recognized as a major cause of tumorogenesis. So in our results, we found a large deletion which was greater than 1.4 megabits, including the NF1 gene from the high-grade region of MPNSTs and also from the patient's pilocytic astrocytoma, but not from the cutaneous neurofibroma previously removed from the patient. The level of loss of heterozygosity observed in the heterogeneous tumor showed significant regional variation with little evidence of loss of heterozygosity from region 1, which represented the benign plexiform neurofibroma, about 40% of LOH in region 2, which represented the atypical neurofibroma, and almost complete loss of heterozygosity, uh, ranging from 85 to 97% found in region 3, which represented the high-grade malignant peripheral nerve sheet tumor. In addition to LOH of the NF1 region in DNA from region 3, LOH affecting P53, CDK and 2AB and RB1 loci was also found. There was no evidence of for a loss of heterozygosity involving these additional gene loci that have previously been implicated in MPNST development in DNA either from region 1 or from pilocytic astrocytoma. All loss of heterozygosity analyses were confirmed on DNA isolated from three different tissue biopsies taken from each region. A lack of tumor DNA of sufficient quantity and qualities somehow hindered this final part of the study in which most of the usable DNA was isolated from the paraffin sections of the high-grade MPNST, that is region 3. DNA quality from region 1 and 2 was not optimal for RACGS analysis. Several of the genomic imbalances identified in high-grade tumor DNA in this study had been previously reported in MPNSTs as being a potential target for therapeutic intervention in cancer. Some of these genomic alterations confirm our previous RACGS data, which demonstrates a marked difference in the genomic profiles associated with MPNSTs compared to those from benign plexiform neurofibromas. So in summary, variable loss of heterozygosity was present involving multiple genes in histopathologically different regions of this complex tumor. This indicates that tumor development was associated with a number of different genetic changes. Variations in the type and degree of molecular alterations correlated with different degrees of malignant transformation within the same posterior tibial nerve tumor. A correlation of the histological and molecular changes associated with MPNST development is demonstrated here, confirming the significant cellular and genetic heterogeneity associated with these tumors.
And so putting it all together then, Mina, what was the diagnosis based on these results? The final pathological diagnosis was grade 4 MPNST, exhibiting rhabdomyoblastic dedifferentiation. Rhabdomyoblasts are early-stage mesenchymal cells having the potential to differentiate into a wide range of skeletal cells. Each stage of differentiation exhibits unique and distinguishable histological characteristics in this case. And what treatments are currently available to NF1 patients with an MPNST? Early detection followed by radical surgery in combination with chemo and radiotherapy is the current best standard of treatment. However, several obstacles do exist. First, there are no radiological features on CT or MRI which clearly differentiate a large benign plexiform neurofibromas from one that has transformed into a malignant peripheral peripheral nerve sheet tumour. Second, pathological diagnosis of MPNST is also challenging, mainly related to the current paucity of well-defined histological criteria, a specific antigenic marker and significant tissue heterogeneity as observed in our case. Much of the heterogeneity within MPNSTs is due to their initial growth from a benign plexiform neurofibroma, followed by progression of different regions independently into varying grades of malignancy. A region of MPNSC may therefore be designated as atypical, demonstrating histological features of both the benign plexiform neurofibromas and a low-grade MPNSTs with hypercellularity and hyperchromatic nuclei However, with lo relatively low mitotic activity that differ from high-grade MPNST. For anybody who's listening, um, heterogeneity just means that the tumour looks different from one part to another. Um, atypical means that the cells look different to how you might expect them to be normally. Um, and this may include things like having too many cells in one place, which is hypercellularity, um, or they may be darker than you might expect, which is hyperchromatic nuclei. And mitotic activity is just how many cells are dividing into new cells. What follow-up or treatment did the patient receive and what was the outcome for this case? The patient underwent radiotherapy, uh, a dose uh, amounting to 3,500 reds to the tumour and 3 centimetres of adjacent soft tissue. With subsequent attempt at ra radical limb sparing surgery at 8 weeks post-open biopsy. However, at the second surgery, this vascular supply to the lower leg was compromised by tumor invasion. So an above-knee surgical amputation was performed. Patient remained well and fully ambulatory four years post-diagnosis. However, a chest x-ray suggested a solitary lung metastasis. The patient survived for a few years after this diagnosis and then passed away.
Mm, okay. Um, so there's obviously a lot of um, a lot of effort gone into the diagnosis here. And what did you learn from this case? Given the difficulty in the early clinical and pathological diagnosis of MPNST, increased knowledge of molecular basis of NF1 associated malignant transformation is clearly essential. Genetic and cellular heterogeneity in an MPNST as several different gene loci suggest that the integration of molecular genetics and pathologies based on a multiple sections from a tumor could be an accurate tool for MPNST diagnosis. A cancer drug is likely to be somewhat limited unless the cellular, molecular and tumor microenvironment is analyzed. And that's really important to think about all three, yes. Are there any advancements in treatment or diagnosis for plexiform neurofibromas that we should keep an eye on for the coming years? Historically, plexiform neurofibroma have been difficult to treat. Following encouraging results for MAC inhibitor, the treatment of plexiform neurofibroma in preclinical models, selumetinib was evaluated in phase one trial for children with inoperable plexiform neurofibromas. The trial established a maximum tolerated dose that was tolerable for a duration of 30 cycles median. Every patient in this trial achieved volume reduction of their plexiform neurofibroma after a median of 20 cycles. A subsequent phase two trial of selumetinib in NF1 children with inoperable plexiform neurofibroma, 70% patients achieved a tumor volume of approximately 20%. The median duration to best response was 16 cycles. Based on these trials, selumetinib is the first FDA-approved therapy for NF1 patients with inoperable plexiform neurofibromas in children. Other MAC inhibitors are currently in clinical trials for plexiform neurofibromas, including uh, trametinib and vinimetinib. Over the last three decades, advancement of our understanding of the biology of the disease has culminated with the first precision medicine treatment for NF1-associated plexiform neurofibroma, which has been approved by the FDA. And the treatment for NF1-associated malignant peripheral nerve sheet tumor is eagerly awaited. Oh, that's a really exciting point to finish on, Mina, and that's certainly something that motivates me in my work too. And that brings us to the end of this episode. Thank you so much, Mina, for taking us through this case study. Thank you to our production team, without whom none of this would be possible. And thank you to our listeners for listening. You can catch up on previous podcast episodes at www.rcpath.org forward slash pathology podcast. And you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. I'm Natasha Cutmore, and you've been listening to the Royal College of Pathologists podcast, Pathologists in Profile, sponsored by Sir Dan.